It is a blessing to be able to study God's Word and to be able to try to grasp some of the meanings that are found within it. And on Sunday evenings, for now this will be the sixth week, we have been studying the Ten Commandments. When you study the Ten Commandments, you have to recognize that many of the people in the world believe that we still live under these commandments because they believe these are eternal principles. We have made the point clear in previous lessons that these were commandments that were given to the children of Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai, that that was a different covenant which we are not under. However, we are under many of these same commandments, not because they're written in Exodus chapter 20, but because they are found in the New Testament in God's Word. And we have to realize that just like, for instance, at one point in time, those of us who lived in this country were under the rule of Great Britain. However, after the Revolutionary War and the independence was sought and achieved, there was now another law that superseded it, and that was the law of the colonies and then the United States of America. There are many similarities, but they're not all identical and they're not all the same. There are many similarities, the Ten Commandments, found in the New Testament, but they're not identical. In fact, as we observed when we talked about the Fourth Commandment, to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, it is not found in the New Testament. However, all the others are, and tonight we're going to be looking at the Sixth Commandment. And I will point out to you that people look at the various commandments that are found here, And of the ten, many will value some and believe that they are more serious than some of the others. For instance, many would consider murder one of the greatest of the crimes. To take someone else's life would certainly be a very serious matter. Some might say, though, well, murder is worse than adultery. Or adultery is worse than covetousness. Or covetousness is worse than breaking the Sabbath day among them. But I'd suggest to you God does not allow us to pick and choose. And God also considers all sin to be very sinful. According to Romans chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. This commandment has several facets to it, just like a a stone that has been uh, designed to be beautiful, to be worn. There's a lot of facets. Well, there's a lot of facets to the commandment, even though it's very simply stated, and that is, you shall not commit murder. So here's what we're going to do, as we have done in the previous lessons. We're going to look at the meaning of the commandment. If you take the words themselves, what do those words mean? And then number two, we want to look at the message, what it actually says to those of us who live today. To begin with, you shall not. In fact, if you look at this, you, again, refers to God's covenant people, the children of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, the ones who were at the foot of Mount Sinai. This was not only their civil law, it was their religious law. It was not, as our country, a democracy. 
nor is it like other nations where you might have other types of government. It was a theocracy. God was in charge. God was the head of that government. The prohibitions are, you shall not, or if you're going to use the older translations, thou shalt not, are prohibitive. And in Numbers 6 through 10, the last five commandments, are all in this same format. That is that God said, these are things that you shall not do. Some people don't like negative preaching. They don't like where you say, you don't do this and you don't do that. They want it all to be positive. I suggest to you that half of the commandments, in fact more than half, were in this format. You shall not. Let's talk about the word kill or murder. If you're reading the original King James, thou shalt not kill. The new King James uses the word murder. Let me ask you a question. When it says you should not kill, does that mean that it would be wrong to kill a common house fly? You take a fly swat, swat that and you kill that fly. Or would it be wrong to go out and take a gun and shoot an animal and eat that animal and kill it? You see, there are some people, in fact, a number of people who are today politically correct believe that you shouldn't kill any animal of any kind for any reason. You should be a vegetarian. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Hebrew word here is very specific. Ratzak means a specific type of taking of life. It is either life that is taken, that is calculated, that is premeditated, it's been thought through, or careless. That is, a person could have known that by doing something, they could have taken someone's life. And it is of a human life, not that of an animal. Let me illustrate this to you. If you'll turn with me to the book of Numbers, to chapter 35, beginning with verse 16, you have this word discussed. But if he strikes with an iron implement so that he dies, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. And if he strikes him with a stone in the hand, by which one could die, and he does die, he is a murderer, and the murderer shall surely be put to death. Or if he strikes him with a wooden hand weapon, by which one could die, and he does die, he's a murderer, and the murderer shall surely be put to death. The avenger of blood himself shall put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. Now, at that point, I don't think there's any difficulty of understanding. If you take a stone, you take a bat, you take something, and you kill someone else, you plan it, you die. And the avenger, the, the next of kin, has the right to take your life. Verse 20, if he pushes him out of hatred or lying in wait, hurls something at him so that he dies, or an enmity strikes him with his hand so that he dies... The one who struck him shall surely be put to death. He is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. Now let's notice, beginning with verse 22, there's a turn here. However, if he pushes him suddenly without enmity or throws anything out him at him without lying in wait or uses a stone by which a man could die, throwing it at him without seeing him, so that he dies while he was not his enemy or seeking his harm, 
Then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood according to these judgments. I want you to observe that not only is it one who dies because someone has enmity, but the definition of the word here is also one who may be careless. You know, you're, you're throwing stones perhaps off of a large pile and you're not looking and you know that you've got something that's dangerous, but you throw it off and you hit someone in the head and you kill him, you have ratzot, you have murdered him. But this does not refer to killing in war. It does not refer to what uh, one might do as a part of the government in putting someone to death. You know, like in First Corinthians or First Romans thirteen, as he talks about God's choice of the government, the powers that be, that they do not wield the sword in vain. War is simply capital punishment on a national basis. When one nation punishes another nation to that of death. That's not what this word means. It does not refer to the killing of animals for food or for sacrifice. In fact, it's never used to describe the taking of an animal's life at all. In fact, Leviticus 24 verse 21 should make that clear. Whoever kills an animal shall restore it. But whoever kills a man shall be put to death. If it's an animal and you kill someone else's animal, you just simply have to replace it. But if it's a person, they're to be put to death because there's a difference between an animal and a person. Nor does this word refer to a person who might kill someone else in self-defense. Someone breaks in your home in the middle of the night and you hear them rumbling around in your house. And you take the bad out from under the bed. And you hit this person in the head and you take their life. That's not this word here. In fact, Exodus 22 verse 2 says, If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. See, self-defense, the protecting of your home and your property, is not... Thou shalt not kill. So we understand that the meaning of it is this is a prohibition and the prohibition is not to murder someone either by calculation or by carelessness. Now I think that should be obvious. But I think we need to understand as we understand the message of that today is there's a number of ways that that can be taking place. For instance, premeditated murder. Someone who has come up and calculated in their mind, I'm going to take their life. David often faced this, and in Psalm 56 and verse 6 says, They gather together, they hide, then they mark my steps while they lie and wait for my life. There are people out there looking for an opportunity to take someone else's life. But let me point out to you that there's some other things that would be involved in this. Here's a man who goes and gets intoxicated. He gets in his car, a dangerous thing, and then he drives and he kills someone else. Is he guilty? He is guilty. 
because he was careless. He may not have calculated to take someone's life, but he was careless in doing so. Now let me get a little bit more personal. If you get in your car and you take out a little device that looks like this, and you start texting while you're driving, and you run into somebody and you take their life, you have also committed murder. Do you realize that? I'm saying that because I can't tell you how many people I've seen over the last couple of weeks weaving in and out of traffic. When I get to the red light and I look and they're sitting there doing this on that little device, I look at them and I give them a real mean look and I'm very seriously thinking about pulling over to the side of the road and calling one of the guys and saying, this is their tag number and this is what they're doing because they're liable to kill you or your children. You see, it's much more serious. That's a message of this because you're wielding a very dangerous device just like when you drive a car, just like a person who's got a stone and doesn't look to see if there's somebody down there that they might throw that stone and take their life. It's sad to say that today people do not respect the life of the unborn nor the lives of infants. Abortion in our country has become a national embarrassment. And I realize that a lot of our national leaders will stand up and say, we have to protect a woman's right to choose. To choose to do what? To murder her baby. Oh, you can't use inflammatory language like that. Why not? That's the words of Scripture. In fact, when I go to Scripture, what I observe is there have been people throughout history who have not respected the lives of children. In the book of Psalms 106, verses 37 and 38, they sacrificed, they even sacrificed sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan and their land was polluted with blood. Brothers and sisters, the United States of America is polluted with the blood of the innocents whose lives have been taken. They didn't do anything wrong. But their mothers and their fathers who conceived them are just like these who sacrifice the demons. They don't want to sacrifice their time, their funds, and everything to raise these children. Euthanasia. Dr. Jack Kevorkian became famous not for allowing people to die a natural death because there were situations in their life that they could not recover from. But he actively intervened and gave them the necessary medications to kill them. And in doing so, he became a murderer. There's no other way that you can define that from Scripture. And it doesn't matter if the people in a particular state or in a particular country all vote to say we're going to make it all right to kill somebody that doesn't make it right in god's eyes the government does not have the right 
to legalize murder in God's eyes, whether it is abortion or infanticide or euthanasia. That's direct killing. What about indirect? What about if I am involved in some causing someone else's death or involved in the killing of them, even though I didn't pull the trigger on the gun or I didn't wield the bat that hit them in the head? Let me give you an illustration. David had ordered Uriah to be put at the forefront of a battle and everybody to withdraw from him. David was not even present when Uriah was killed. In fact, the text tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 11 that an archer shot him. If you go to 2 Samuel 11 verse 24, the archers shot from the wall at your servants. And some of the king's servants are dead, and also your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. You see, they rushed up to the edge of the wall of the city. Archer was just picking them off. And normally David would say, well, why did you do that? Why did you run? But, you see, he had ordered Uriah's death. When you get to chapter 12, Nathan is going to say, why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. You see, what has happened is David put him in the battle. That's the sword. And David retreated the men back. He allowed him to die. He was guilty of murder. Indirectly. Now let me make something apparent and clear that you may not realize. When someone approves of the practice of taking someone else's life, they also become complicit in it. When David said it's all right to take Uriah's life, then David became guilty. Listen to Romans 1 and verse 32. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. They approve of it. Let me ask you a question. If it comes up to a vote, and I've got the choice, do, do I approve abortion or not approve abortion as a voter? If you vote for it, you are just as guilty as David was of killing Uriah. You can't change that, folks. Either taking someone's life directly or indirectly. When you approve of it, you're guilty. But now let's go a little bit deeper. You see, when I get to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, the Lord takes this commandment and then He does something that so many people do not fully grasp because the Lord is going to take a number of these commandments and He's going to step back and say, but there are some things that are prior to the taking of life. And those things that lead up to it also make one guilty. Listen to verses 21 and 22. You have heard it said to those who are of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall, will be in danger of judgment. 
But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, will be in danger of hell fire. You see, the Lord looked back and what leads to murder? Anger, hatred. Normally a person doesn't take someone else's life unless there's some motivation behind it. Because anger and hatred is what leads to murder. Listen to 1 John 3 verse 15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You go to Matthew 15 and verse 19. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies, and so forth. Out of the heart is where it comes. And so the Lord is saying it's not just the murdering of that person, but it's also the anger and the hatred that's in your heart before that murder takes place. Oh, you mean it matters then what I think about somebody else. Yes, it does. And so the Lord is taking it to a much deeper level. So we need to be thinking about our attitudes toward one another. On the other hand, love... Seeking that person's highest good is something that is a part of this. Notice how Paul will address this in Romans 13, verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not work any ill to your neighbor. It doesn't mistreat him. So if I love you, I'm not going to hate you. I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to run off with your wife. I'm not going to do those kind of things. Now there is an immediate meaning to all of this. If you go back to what Brother Robert read at the beginning of our lesson in Genesis chapter 9, why? He said, surely your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it. From the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. You see, what God has done, He has put man on a different plane from any other of His creation. You can take the life of an animal. You can take the life of a plant. But when it comes to man, man is made in the image of God. That's the reason why when it comes to what you say about a person, what you do to a person... In James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, with it we bless God and the Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. You ought to realize that every man is made in the image of God. You see, God wants us to value life. 
And if you are concerned and you value man's life, you ought to be concerned with him eternally. You know, I'm concerned about my own life. I try to do things to protect it. But my physical life is very limited. But eternal life is so significant. But I want to end with a contrast. And here's the contrast. The devil and our Lord. And I want you to see who wants you to live and who wants you to die. John 8 verse 44. You are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. He lied to Eve. And what did that do? That murdered Eve. The day that you eat, you shall surely die. He's a murderer. And the devil wants to murder you too, your eternal soul. On the other hand, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I could add with it John 10, 10. I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. You can make a choice. Are you going to be a person who values and treasures your life and the lives of others? Or are you going to be a person who follows the devil and murders and takes no thought for the lives of others? Tonight, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation by becoming a New Testament Christian, by being baptized for the remission of your sins, we're more than glad to assist you. If you are a Christian needing to be able to confess your faults, we'll pray with you tonight. And whatever needs you might have, we encourage you to come as we stand together and sing.